few lessons <clears throat> or reminders that we can learn from the life of, the, of, of Moses, his call to bring the people of Israel out of bondage <clears throat> into the promised land. So relevant for us today in this lockdown time. And I feel like God just highlighted some of these things to me over the last few weeks. And I just want to give you a quick outline, all found in the book of Exodus, mainly from chapter 3 towards the end, close to the end of the, the book of Exodus. I'm going to ask you, please, would you read those chapters for your own life, asking God to confirm things in your life, to show you things and to help you to learn that you may be a better pastor, a better minister, a better leader, and that for some who may be listening that aren't leaders, you may get the call of God into leadership because God is busy calling people today. So just an outline, and I want to try to pick up on this and share a few little sessions, but I want to keep each one down about 10, 15 minutes. So I'll just give you a quick outline. There's about 10 uh, quick lessons that I would like to enlarge later, but you can look them up for yourself, see how God speaks to you, because that's the most important thing, is for God to speak into your own heart and give you revelation. So lesson number one, coming out of this Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, that God prepares um, and, and continually equips his leaders in the most um, unexpected places and the most unexpected ways. Moses was in the wilderness, and took 40 years looking after the sheep, caring for, for the sheep, which is what you and I are called to do, care for God's sheep. But it took 40 years of preparation in, in, a, in the wilderness, in a place where you wouldn't have expected it. It wasn't like a Bible college <clears throat> in the wilderness. And again, God is even using this lockdown for preparation, transformation, equipping to release leaders and those who are already in leadership to equip them further and to change things, make them more effective, more fruitful. So God prepares and continually equips his leaders in the most unexpected places and in the most unexpected ways. That's lesson number one. Number two is that God is trying to catch our attention. Even through this, uh, this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, God's trying to catch the attention of the whole church. But ongoingly after this, he'll still be looking for ways to catch our attention, uh, to help us to move into the next phase of his call on our lives. Now, for Moses, looking after the sheep, he wasn't that absorbed that he, God couldn't get his attention. And I'm afraid that sometimes uh, many of God's leaders today are so absorbed with what they're doing or what they're trying to do or what they're trying to discover um, new ways, whatever it may be, that they're not actually letting God get their attention. So don't be so busy doing all these things, even if they're legitimate and good, because looking after God's sheep was good. That's what Moses was doing. But God was still able to catch his attention. Let God catch your attention. Lesson number three quickly is that having caught uh, Moses' attention, attention, God wanted to help Moses to learn to keep his eyes fixed on him. Uh, and that's what God wants for us. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Yes, let God catch your attention. But don't just learn something and run off and do it and forget to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let God continually, ongoingly be able to get your attention. That, and so you'll see that in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, 
where the NIV says, see, I, talking God speaking, see I, but in the Message Bible it says, look at me. So we need to look at him, look to him all the time. And then he, lesson number five, uh, four, is he wants us to realize and remember that his call, the call of God, is a high and holy calling. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be misused and abused. It's a high calling. It's a holy calling. And even for Moses, Moses wanted to draw nearer and God said, whoa, wait a minute. This is holy ground. And a little while later, you see Moses actually in awe of God. God's call on our lives is an awesome call. And it's high and it's holy. Don't ever forget that. Don't treat it lightly. Don't take it for granted. Next thing, quickly, that God wants us to, to understand, to learn and to remember, is that His call has a purpose or purposes. The things He wants to do in and through us. He wants to fulfill His purposes. It says of David that God is able to, that David fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. <clears throat> and I'm trusting that with me, you feel the same way. This is what you want for your life. God, just fulfill your purposes through my life in my generation. And part of the purposes of God that I see, there's four little things here I'll just quickly like to highlight that apply to all of us, even today through in the church, in what we're involved in. And you'll find this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. That's 7 to 10. You'll find these four little things. The first one is freedom. God wants to bring God's people into freedom. God actually says this, let my people go that they may worship me. Freedom. Freedom to worship him. That's repeated uh, six times in those few chapters. <clears throat> freedom. Now, there are two extremes about freedom. Uh, two types of freedom. One is the false freedom. And the other one is true freedom. The false freedom is freedom to do what you like. So many Christians feel like, well, I'm living in grace. I'm living in the freedom of God. I can do what I like. But that's not true freedom. That just ends up back in bondage. And then there is true freedom. And that freedom is freedom to do what God has called us to do. Freedom to do what we know we should. And we'll elaborate on some of these things in the second and third sessions. All right. Number, the next thing is uh, purpose is not only freedom, but to live in and enjoy in God's rich inheritance for us. It's all been prepared for us in and through Christ. There was a promised land that God knew about, that he was leading them to. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to live in and enjoy the rich provision, protection, all of his promises. He wants us to live in that, the goodness of the lush. The third uh, purpose that I see here in these few verses is to be totally different. You'll see this in Exodus chapter 8, verse 23, chapter 9, verse 4, 26, chapter 11, verse 7, chapter 12, verse 13, where he made a distinction between the people in Egypt and the people in the land of Goshen, which were his people. God wants us to be so different, not to be doing what the world does, but to be different, to show them there's a better way, that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And to have him is to have life abundantly. The next thing, uh, purpose is, uh, the fourth little one quickly, is to, to see his kingdom emerging constantly, ongoingly, increasingly amongst us. Um, not being sidetracked. 
people are being signed. So many leaders today are being sidetracked by all sorts of uh, what, what do I what do I want to call them um, causes? That this cause and that cause and that. And while some of them are really good, they're not the great. It's keeping Christ King, Him the focus of our lives. And the next one quickly is that, and this I think is lesson number six, is that God's, all of this needs to be by God's power. In other words, we'll see this in, um, in the different parts of those chapters, how God's power always came through. Even when they came out of Egypt, all those uh, plagues that took place, the supernatural presence and power of God. So lesson, this, lesson number six really is that, that we need God, His Spirit, in everything we do, we need, it's not by our might or our power, but it's by His Spirit, not our ingenuity. We need God to be directing us, empowering us, uh, envisioning us, enlarging us, enlisting more and more people, etc. And then lesson number seven is God knows all the excuses you and I can ever come up with. And many of us, <laughs> you know, from time to time we come up with these excuses. Most every one of us, I don't think there's anyone exempt from that. But here's just a few of those that I see in Exodus chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6. One is feelings of inadequacy. Feeling of, of, feelings of, God, I'm not sufficient for this. I don't know that I can do this. God says, I'm, God, I'm there for you. I am the great I am. I am who I am. The self-existent, totally trustworthy, able to do more than you can ever dream of. I'll always be there for you. So feelings of, of inadequacy. The second uh, excuse sometimes is lack of confidence or authority. You'll see that if you read for yourself. You'll see, <coughs> excuse me, in, um, these, cha in these chapters, uh, chapters 3 to, through to 6 in the book of Exodus. The third one is unbelief. Moses said, well, will they believe me? What Moses really is saying, I don't believe that they will believe me. It's unbelief. The fourth one is pride and fear. What if they don't? What am I going to look like? I might look stupid. And so many of us, we go through that. It's just our pride and our fear that stops us. We might use excuses, but that's the real excuse. That's the real reason. And then there's avoidance is the fifth one. Have a look at it for yourself. And I'll open these up over the next few little sessions. Lesson number eight. Opposition is a natural part of what God's of God what comes with God's call opposition sometimes we believe that well I'm, there's so much opposition uh, I, I must be outside of the will of God I must be doing the wrong thing but please grasp this remember this all of your life opposition will come the devil will oppose anything that God's doing and he will oppose anything God's doing in and through your life opposition is normally a proof that God's in us God's in this thing with you. So don't be surprised when opposition comes. Moses had opposition from Pharaoh. He had opposition with the Red Sea. He had opposition with the, the River Jordan. Opposition from his own leaders, from the people within, constantly blaming him. Opposition just comes with the territory. So remember that. The next thing, uh, lesson number nine, I think it is, is that we must always include other people. In, in, in almost every area of our life and of our call and ministry. We can't just pick one or two people uh, or people we just like. We've got to be all inclusive. 
bringing the whole church into the involvement of what God God's doing in and through your life, with your life, in and through their lives, together as a massive team of people. And you'll see that in Exodus chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, and elsewhere as you read through. But remember that Exodus 4, 29 to 31. And the next little lesson is this. We must be willing and determined to, and I want to put this in quotation mark, climb higher. You'll see that in Exodus chapter 24, from verse 1 through to verse 18, where the Message Bible says, climb up to me, climb the mountain. Uh, other translations say, come up to me. But there's this thing of we need to go higher with God, more and more. We need to go upward towards God, reaching out for more, reaching out for more, reaching as we get more, more. Only you can determine how high you'll climb. And we'll talk about that in a little more detail a little later. And then the last little lesson that I'm just going to bring for this session is this. In all of us, whatever we're doing, the call of God, we are to build him a true dwelling place, a holy habitation. The church is to be the holy habitation of God. It's to be the dwelling place of God. We need to always understand, remember, we're, we're building God a holy house. Yes, a bride for, his, for the bridegroom, but the dwelling place of God, where God can dwell, not only for time, but for eternity. And so that's so important. But don't forget this, and we'll see this in Exodus 25, 8 and 9, chapters, chapter 25, verse 8 and verse 9, that everything we build has to be in accordance with his instructions. And his instructions are in this word, the word of God. So we need to be constantly going back to the word of God. God, what do you say? I hear this. Somebody said this. How does that tie up with the word of God? God, is this to be added into what we're doing? Not they seem to be successful, so we'll try. God, is this part of your instruction for our lives, our church? So hear me, please. Read those chapters. Go and read them for yourself. Chapter 3, 4, 5, right through 25, 26 onward. See what God says to you. Apply them to your life. Learn the lessons. And I believe you'll be fruitful. You'll bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit, and fruit that lasts. And I'm asking you, do it for Jesus' sake and for your own sake. Now let me pray for you, please. Will you bow your heart, your head, and worship him? Father, you're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of everything that we can ever be and everything we can ever do. You're worthy of everything. And I ask in Jesus' name you would help your children, your sons and daughters, worldwide, to be everything you want them to be, to walk in the fullness of the call of God and the plans you have for them, which are good forever into eternity. And I ask it all with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.